You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, and maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and I am on my way back now from a completed rutcation. I was able to uh, fill my tag with a, a heck of a buck for me, man. One that I am just absolutely thrilled with. Uh, I had a chance at this buck on day three of the trip, and I did not capitalize on it. And then uh, on day nine of the trip, the buck comes back through. I was able to make a good shot that time, got the buck down on the ground, and now I'm making my way back south. If you want to hear the full story of that hunt, you can head over to the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast next week, where I'm going to be relaying the entire story. But for this week on the How to Hunt Deer Podcast, I've got my buddy KC Smith from The Element. Now, KC and his buddy Tyler and a couple of others from The Element, they travel all around the U.S. hunting big bucks. They've been on an absolute tear this fall. Now, one of the things that I love about KC and Tyler and the rest of the crew is when they get on the ground hunting public land, they just have to deal with the conditions that they've got once they get there. And they hunt right on through the month of November. So they're not just saying, hey, we're going to hunt the very tail end of October, the first two weeks of November. They oftentimes hunt what some people consider the dreaded lockdown. So I wanted to get Casey on the phone and say, hey, man, how are you approaching hunting big bucks during the lockdown? Because that doesn't seem to slow you guys down at all. And he's got a pretty unique take and he's got a pretty unique style of how he gets on deer during that time of year. And so I think you're going to learn a lot from uh, from this episode. Before we jump in, though, I do just want to say thanks to our partners. First of all, Tacticam, the title sponsor of this show. They're making the best 
point of view cameras for outdoorsmen. This past week on my hunts, I was rocking the tactic cams all week long. Unfortunately, I did not get the shot at my buck on camera because uh, everything just happened so quickly. I didn't even have time to press a single button, but the cameras were there, they were with me. When I decided to abandon the rest of the camera gear because things were getting a little bit tiring, the Tacticams still went with me. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K 60 frame per second footage, up to 8X zoom, a touchscreen display, and one touch operation, all of that in a compact, durable, waterproof package. They've also got their Solo Extreme camera that gives you everything that you love from your other Tacticam cameras like HD footage, sleek waterproof housing, but it's all in a more budget-friendly option. You can learn more about the 6.0, the Solo Extreme, and Tacticam's full line of products at Tacticam.com. Pick one up today and start sharing your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. They're making durable, comfortable camo without the sticker shock. Guys, when I hunted in Wisconsin this past week, I hunted in 70 degree temps, I hunted in 30 degree temps, I hunted in the wind, I hunted in the rain. Uh, Mother Nature threw her best at me and my Huntworth gear kept me warm when I needed to be warm, it kept me cool when I needed to be cool, and it kept me dry when I needed to be dry. I cannot recommend them enough. This is the first time that I've ever had a set of rain gear that actually kept me dry. I also had a great experience with their base layers when you pull them out you feel them you're like man these are these are kind of thin let's see how they work they work super well they wick the moisture away from your skin they keep you dry they keep you warm they keep you comfortable you should go check them out at huntworthgear.com next up deer lab they're the number one app for hunters and land managers deer lab helps you store organize and analyze your trail camera intel so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall go check out their website deerlab.com to learn more about all their awesome features and also to sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial. Now, when you're ready to purchase, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. And last but not least, Onyx. Guys, over the last 10 days, I cannot tell you how much I relied on Onyx, not only to get to and from the locations where I wanted to hunt, but while I'm on stand, I'm making plans for the next day. I uh, actually used Onyx to get property owner information so that I could get permission on a small private farm. I uh, came back home in the evenings when I was using their web map. I used the 3D elevation exaggeration, which was awesome. It's one of the things that helped me find the pinch point where I killed my buck. So if you're not already using Onyx, I don't know what you're waiting for. You should go check them out. You can find them on your app store. And if you're not currently a subscriber, you can get a seven-day free trial. Now let's get into the show talking about hunting bucks during the lockdown with Casey Smith. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I've got Mr. Casey Smith from The Element. Casey, welcome back to the show. Thanks, dude. I appreciate you uh, hitting me back up. I'm sorry. I think you messaged me like 10 days ago, like, hey, man, anytime you got me next week and then I was a, a jerk and just focused on hunting so sorry about that but uh, I appreciate the opportunity to do some deer talking man man I can't I can't believe you even messaged me back at all like it's November <laughs> I shouldn't be messaging people about coming on podcasts right now like that's ridiculous hey I, I can sympathize with you we we do podcasting too and it's a pain to try to get people to holler but you know what a lot of us are traveling and have some truck time this time of year so you can fit one in here and there you that's know, right it's worth doing that's right, man. Yeah. I I've had to try stop at truck stops to record, like break out the sound equipment in the back seat and yep. record podcasts. And dude, it just gets it gets a little wild, man. So you guys are uh, you guys are hard after it. Yeah, we've been uh, on the road. This is 
uh, pretty big undertaking for us this year. We're working on a real special project that we're super excited about. We're going to be producing a series that's going to go on the meteor stuff uh, this next year. So really thankful for that opportunity and that blessing. And uh, with that, we kind of, uh, instead of, <laughs> we still are doing what we've always done, but we usually just run around the country with hair on fire. And this year we'd like, instead of having a fire, we have, we have a furnace, you know, so it's a little more contained, but it's still burning. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah. kind of, that's kind of the way we're doing stuff right now. Yeah. Man, well, I tell you yeah. what, if, if there are a couple of folks that deserve, you know, that kind of opportunity like you guys have this year, like you guys deserve it. I mean, not only are you great hunters, but you're just great people. And man, I've just always appreciated not only your content, but just anytime that we've talked, just how willing you are to help out and um, all that, man. So. Hey, man, no problem. You don't have to fluff me up too much. I appreciate that though, dude, for sure. And, uh, I, uh, I think that uh, I'm a pretty bad guy, so I'm glad that somebody else thinks that I'm all right, man. It's, it, it ain't me doing it, you know. It's just, um, oh, my goodness, what is going on? I'm sorry. I had an alarm set to call you back, and it's, uh, see, that's how crazy we are right now. <laughs> have an alarm to, to make sure, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for the kind words, man. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, and I don't feel like we're – deserving of much of anything but we're grateful for the opportunities we've been blessed with for sure absolutely man absolutely so what has what has the fall looked like for you guys so far like how much can you divulge as far as where you've been how what kind of success you've been seeing yeah man i'd love to talk about some of the stuff we've done because it's been that gun awesome (laughs) yeah you guys have had like a a banging year so far man i am uh I'm not trying to brag because I'm not near as good of a hunter as what has happened to me this year. Uh, but I have already had my best season ever, and it's just mid-November. Wow. And for us in the south, that Come means on. we got a lot more hunting to do. Come yeah, on. man. So it's a, it's a great year. We started out in Nebraska uh, in late September. Tyler and I doubled up one evening on public land in Nebraska. He shot a giant. Uh, I thought my deer was cool when we walked up to his. Like, well, all right, I guess I'll just, <laughs> you know, go start cutting mine up now. Um, and then uh, went to South Dakota, and I shot a really awesome buck there in a picturesque setting. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to hunt because it's so beautiful. And then from there, came back home and kind of refueled, spent some time with the fam, and then went to Illinois for late October and uh, hunted like that. You know, late October straight pattern and had a real tough hunt. We had some cool access on a neat farm that we kind of did some work to get to gain access to, and uh, it just ended up being not quite as good as what we thought it would be uh, for the acreage in that area of the country, and uh, just kind of had to uh, root one out pretty much. And on the last evening of a hunt, I, I was able to shoot a really cool. Uh, we'll call him a ten point, but it's kind of an eight with some tiny G three or G fours out there. Uh, and that just felt like, you know, God put one in my lap and said, here you go. You know, it was yeah. just a crazy story, and I'm ready for people to be able to, to see it because it's just like there some accidents happened that helped me kill the deer that just are insane, man. And then um, came home from there and then uh, breathed for like uh, 36 hours and then went to Kansas, and um, I shot my collar shot a eight and a half year old deer he's been chasing for two years there Jeez. um the third year this year and uh 
shot that deer the first 45 minutes of our trip. What? Uh, yeah, we showed up, he got the tree stand, and then shot that deer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. And um, then uh, struggling on public, and uh, we uh, hit the phones and scored a sweet permission, went out and scouted it, knew it looked good, and then I caught, like, the stomach bug hit me while we were on the property. And for the next 10 hours, I was kind of glued to the bed in the bathroom and then mustered up what it took to go hunt the next morning and then rattled in uh, a buck and shot my biggest buck ever on November 5th. Uh, wow. That morning after pretty much having a almost sleepless night. So it's been a crazy year, man. And uh, honestly, I'm tired. If I, could be, if I could tell you the truth, yeah. I don't want to be the guy who's like, uh, tired of you know just having great things happen, and you know I'm so so blessed to get to hunt as much as we've been able to. But uh, if you have a family, you know, like it's no matter what you're doing, it can be the best thing ever. If you're not getting to really spend time with your family, it's kind of tough. So yeah. uh, I don't want to call it a grind because I love it. It's the greatest blessing you know I could have as far as like getting to do something, you know, and. Um, but uh, I'm I'm kind of happy to be looking at mid-November now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, man, I yeah. don't I don't blame you. This is my first year, um, kind of really leaving the family behind for two straight weeks. You know, going to go on a hunt and yeah. and dude, you know, hunting dark to dark because it's November, right? You got to do it. Hunting dark to yeah. dark, being super mobile on public land, trying to figure these deer out, coming back in the evenings, getting some work done, sleeping for about four hours a night and then getting back after it, you know, not able to talk to your kids a lot. Cause when they're awake, you're in the woods, um, man, that, that gets tough after just a little bit. Thankfully mine is coming to a, to a close and I'm heading home, uh, tomorrow. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah did you find some success? I did, man. I, yeah. So really cool story, um, that I'm going to share on a, probably a future episode, but, uh, I encountered uh -huh. this buck on day three. And things did not go my way. And then I encountered this buck on day nine and they went my way that time. Ooh, so, man, that's yeah. a long hunt, dude. Yeah, and he he might be somewhere in that one forty range. So we're he's we're a, he's a pretty buck. You, you sent me a picture a while ago, I just wanted to hear the a little bit of the story, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, man. Awesome deer, he's a good one. We're you know, hunting here in Wisconsin, there's a lot of good deer running around, but they are hard to get on when you're competing with pheasant hunters and other bow hunters and hikers and, you know, dog walkers and everything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it can be a bit of a grind, but, but I get what you're saying though. You're, you're incredibly blessed to get to do it. So you really don't even want to call it a grind, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's like, dude, you, you can just get beat down and, and tired. And it's like, I just, I just want to sleep in one day. I just want to eat a real meal. Like, Oh yeah. You know, That's I want to eat something while I'm not editing, you know, or, uh, <laughs> but yeah, exactly right. And you know, I, I, I don't, uh, how would you, you, you know, if you were an elk and you were in a pen of alfalfa bales and they were everywhere, you'd get tired of alfalfa in your life. You know what That's I mean? Right. So like it, it's, uh, it's just the way of things, you know, and I think that, um, you need some time at home with a normalcy to really appreciate the amazing, you know, and yep. not that home isn't amazing, but hopefully people kind of understand what I mean 
say that. Yep, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, Casey, I wanted to have you on specifically because of the way you guys get after it every fall. Uh, we're getting into that time frame, and I, I just had a conversation with a guy earlier about it where people start to say, ah, I'm not seeing the movement I saw in late October or the first couple of days in November. The Bucks must be locked down, right? And they kind of just write it off, Whether you know, where, whatever that time frame is where you're hunting. It may be the second week of November, the third week of November, or the fourth week of November, whatever you want to call it. But guys start to throw that around. Ah, the deer, the Bucks are all locked down. Bucks are all locked down. And I just... You know what? There may be some credence to it, and I'm not a biologist. So I don't know how a lot of that works. But I do know that I hear a, guy, a lot of guys use that almost as an excuse to stop scouting and looking and working hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, and I agree with you. Um, I don't believe in a true lockdown in the sense of a group of deer, you know, or a population of deer all being on lockdown. It's not a thing. It's just like I'm not an October lull believer. I don't believe all near on a lull, but in pers- like perception is hunting, right? We go out in the woods and you perceive the things that are happening around us and we process that. And we come out with whatever we think is going on and we hunt according to that. And I think that the perception is lockdown because an individual buck will lock down on a specific doe for up to 36 hours while she's going through her estrogen. And I'm blessed to hunt in some more open country, and I can see this stuff go down um, and kind of understand it a little bit more because it's visual. You can actually see what a, a lockdown looks like. And what happens is a buck will take a doe into a place that doesn't make any sense for a deer to be, and they'll he'll just him her up in there for, you know, as long as he can keep her until he can breed her, and then they go on about the merry way, and he's back to cruising again. So what happens is there's a bell curve throughout November, and peak breeding dates depend on where you're at in the country, and in the south, people are like, well, it ain't even November down here at all, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yep, the run yep. is a bell curve, and peak breeding is the peak of the bell curve. Well, the whole point of a bell curve is that it's a curve, right? So nothing is absolute on that curve scale. So the shoulders of that are still going to have a lot of rut action. And even right there at the very peak of the curve, there's still rut action happening. It's just a lot of does are coming into estrus. So there is a time where you don't see as much of the chasing and there's a whole lot more tending going on. So I, that's what I kind of explain that lockdown as. And it's just like how it, it seems to me. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game-changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. 
This episode is also brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions this fall. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com for your 30-day risk-free trial. And when you're ready to purchase, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, when, when do you... I mean, I know you hunt a lot of different states, and I know it, I know it varies, but when do you kind of see that transition take place when, you know, you really first start to see bucks really tending does and, and kind of see maybe some of that chasing activity that you were seeing kind of taper off? Man, I think that it's, uh, it's kind of strange. I think that, uh, again, it, I spent a lot of my November in more open states, so not the heavily wooded you know, Illinois stuff, but more, you know, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, South Dakota, I haven't yet, but I want to, you know, like where I can observe deer and make moves on them. And I've noticed the things that bucks do, like mature big bucks. They take tabs on these does, and they figure out where these does are in October. And I think that they are actually the first ones to go into lockdown. I think that a big buck is going to get one breeding done for sure, every year in that first couple days of November, he's going to find a doe that he knows is about to come into cycle, and he's going to be with her like as one of the first does to do it. Because I've seen this lockdown type action happen, I think like November 4th or 3rd, possibly, was the first time I've seen where a mature buck was with a doe like in the middle of a wheat stubble field. Okay, just, just got her late broad open in the sunshine, mm. not letting her go anywhere, right? And so I think that uh, that's probably the earliest I've seen that type of thing. And um, I think that goes on more in the wooded country, you know, say the eastern half of the U.S., than, than what we really perceive. We think that um, this is hypothesis, right? I'm not saying this. I'm not a biologist. I did take some school for uh, – I apologize to finish those, but, you know, just take that for what it's worth. I don't have tenure. I'm just what I'm trying to say. Just kind of my hypothesis is whenever we you know we're out for first, second, third, and we're seeing those uh, three-year-olds start to cruise, they're getting real excited. The reason we're not seeing is probably because they are with the first doe coming to cycle, and then that's why we see, like, the fifth through the eighth, ninth, tenth be some of the best days of, of observed rut action because – that first buck has gotten off, or that buck has gotten off the first doe, and is on to the search. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. So, when it comes to this transition time, do you do you enjoy hunting that period? Like, is that the time you're like, man, I'm fired up, or are you kind of like some others, like, oh, the deer are locked down, I don't really, you know, want to get after them. I kind of like it um, because you never know. Like, they're pretty hard to kill when they're on that, like, and I'm talking about a, like a single individual. When he's on lockdown, he's pretty hard to hunt. But at the same time, if you can get that whole frenzy going that I've seen where you have a mature buck who's got a doe and fighting off all these satellite bucks, well, you can get in there tight. And as long as you can stay out of the eyeballs of those other deer, like, you can get some shots from really cool bucks because they're very distracted. 
very aggressive in that moment, too. Uh, I've used a two-dimensional decoy in that sense. I haven't killed off of it, but I think you could, and that's the time to do it. Uh, and I think you can get in there real close in that. But what I really like about that time period is as soon as he is satisfied with his breeding of that doe, he's going to go looking again. And so like that, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you never know what could show up all of a sudden because, you know, Mr. Big Dog has bred his doe, and now he's going to search pattern again. Well, he might feel like he needs to, you know, run a couple miles over, and that's when people start surprise bucks. You see new deer show up, and that's actually really exciting. Yeah, that's when you catch those kind of cruisers. You're like, where did where did he come from? I've, yeah. Who Who is the this guy? Bombie out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So talk to me about, uh, I mean, you know, I, I think in the, in the more open country, I think you, there's, a, there's a lot going for you when you've got, you know, some deer that are locked down where you can kind of make some plays. Might be a little tougher uh, in the eastern mm-hmm. half of the country, uh, but I do know here in Wisconsin that I've seen bucks do the same thing, like you said. Get, they get a doe out where it just makes no sense for a deer to be in there, and it might be, uh-huh. like you said, just the middle of an ag field, there's a ditch. And he's just keeping that doe down in that ditch. Um, let's see. I guess it was last year I found a, a buck that was – he was a younger buck. He wasn't a big one. Um, he was probably three a three-year-old. And he had a doe pinned up against a farmer's uh, barn and would not let her leave the barn. Like, we're talking, we're talking 50 yards from the guy's front door. And he's just got her pinned down and he's, you know, she's, she's literally bedded next to the barn and he's walking a half circle around her. Like you can't get away from mm-hmm. me. You're trapped. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But just, yeah, just super weird behavior. But what are maybe some of the advantages and disadvantages that guys can have and kind of capitalize on? Because just like with, um, you know, that October lull time frame, right? It's, it's not that the deer quit moving. It's they've changed some things and we have to adapt and change with them. And I think, I think there are distinct advantages that we have as hunters, but also disadvantages during that time frame that can help guys be successful. So when it comes to kind of maybe the top of that bell curve, when the most, the highest number of bucks are going to be bedded, you know, or, or tending does, um, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages that you see? Like, hey, we need to avoid doing this and do more of this to get on them. I think, uh, let me think about this saying. Uh one of the things that has helped Tyler and I be effective is processing information quickly and making decisive moves and, and not spinning our wheels. And I'm not saying we are good at that, but we are working to be better at not spinning our wheels. Because something, especially in the eastern part of the country, that you can do is you can set up on a, on a rut funnel and have some really good action and maybe you don't get the shot at your shooter or, you know, maybe the, the buck that you're really hunting doesn't end up coming through. And then all of a sudden, like, there's one day where it's just the action just was real light and you can blame it on moon, you can blame it on weather or, or pressure or whatever. But I think that um, a fella could fall into the trap of, well, let me just sit it out for a few days and that'll kind of go away. I, and I am one to move set up quick if I see something like that happen. I mean, for instance, this year, and this is even outside of the rut, but, uh, you know, say for uh, November hunting I've done, um, I don't think 
it's, it's at least the exact stand locations. I, don't, I haven't set up in the same exact spot more than once. I don't think uh, if I go in somewhere and don't see what I like, or don't see a buck to shoot, I'm assuming that I didn't do the exact right move and I'm going to make a move. And I know that, um, you know, whenever you're in denser country or there's a higher deer density uh, where you're at, that can be a little different. But I, I do think that making a quick reaction and changing your tactic from like one of those rut funnel type uh, sets to maybe more of a no bedding or tight thicket that's kind of, uh, you know, near ag or something like that. Would, would be pretty advantageous there. I, I just think that overall, uh, recognizing that things are changing a little bit is, is pretty important. Yeah, yeah. So can you, give me an example maybe of something recently that came up where you guys moved on some information real fast and, and, it, and it ended up paying off for you. And I ask this because um, this past week, I was, I was after that buck that I, that I ended up getting, I shot him on day three but barely grazed his back. Um, and the deer were showing me something back behind me where they were actually crossing back behind me. But I went Uh back to that spot two more times where I had an encounter with that buck insisting that the next time he came through, it was going to be right there. And then the first day I finally said, you know what? I've been seeing the deer do this other thing. I I shot him. So (laughs) it's like, I I was just slow on the uptake. You know what I mean? And, and the worst part is if I was sitting where I first shot at him, Every time he walked the the way that I saw a bunch of other deer walking um, or noticed deer every time, basically, on my way in and out, he would have been winding me every single time, uh-huh. you know? So he'd have been picking up on me, and I, I didn't get blown at a single time by any deer, but I saw a bunch of deer wind me the whole time I was here. So they're just, they're hip to the game. They're like, we're not blowing. We just don't even want you to know where we're at. Um, but, dude, if I'd, have been, if I'd have been quicker, I might have tagged out four days sooner. You know what I mean? Hey, but you might not have learned as much. That's right. Like, That's right. A- That's right. So maybe give me an example where you guys, you know, were a little quicker on the uptake, made a move, and boom, it happened. Okay, so I, I can play this into the biggest buck of my life story, and I'm excited. Oh, come on. It, all right. So uh, <laughs> uh, this may be not a lockdown situation per se, but it's still valid for the example you're talking about and, and you can you know someone can fill in the blanks with their particular details right but we uh got the permission on this property and uh, in kansas it's legal debate and i'm all about using corn to shoot deer i mean i'm from texas right sure and on public land i don't you know i just take them around and shoot them on the ground and it's fun you know but like shoot man you get a piece of permission put the corn out and put a camera on it you know and That's so right. uh we had a spot there that uh, we had uh, put out a bag of corn and put a camera over just to try to take inventory. And I thought it was going to be a really good rut funnel because it was the most secluded place on the property. And there was uh, some ag down at the south end, but I wasn't as intrigued with it, at least looking on the, uh, the map. Uh, I just thought that maybe there was some hunt pressure down there and it just wasn't quite as good a cover. But, uh, as we were leaving the property, when we've been, we've been scouting, uh, one of the, I don't remember who it was, I think it might have been, was it you or Tyler or Eric, somebody spotted deer on the south end of the property on the fence line where, uh, like, one of the places I hadn't been as intrigued with. And one of them, it was a buck with 
a doe who was actually fighting off a younger buck. So kind of the situation you're talking about, he was just shadowing here, the bigger buck was. And I was thinking, okay, this property's real open. This is a great place to use a decoy. Uh, instead of going up here and hunting this rut funnel in the morning like I wanted to, let's go down here to the south end. The wind's going to be good for it. We're going to sit up on the side of the hill and observe this, uh, put bow in hand, and uh, try to make a move for the evening, right? So right there, I made a decision that was different than what I, my intentional plan was, to, and that was to go down there and to try to maybe figure out a, a, a deer movement pattern so we could go in there in the evening, set up in a, in a tree with a decoy, and, and get this buck to come to the decoy. Well, uh, just so happens we're glassing, and uh, spot a really nice buck far, far away at like 500 yards. And uh, in my experience, the only way to get a deer to hear you or to call to them at that distance is to grab them antlers. And um, I, I love this by the way. I, I, blind rattling works, and I've done it. It's fun. I did a lot of it late October, uh, but when you blind rattle, especially in thicker country at least, um, you a lot of times have to make snap decisions, and deer surprise you and come in from weird angles, and they're always trying to get downwind of you, but if you can see a deer first and then rattle at him, like, dude, the, the hand is dealt in your favor at that point in time, because you know how to make moves if he responds positively to it. That's what this deer did. And of course, at 500 yards, it's a fairly still morning, so I got that going for me. Uh, we uh, get the antlers together, and uh, he hears it, and then makes a move to come to the antlers, and we have to kind of... So, he's going to come try to get upwind. So, as soon as he gets out of our line of sight, we drop down uh, about 80 to 100 yards and uh, make a little bit of a move downwind so that he doesn't end up coming in and trying to smell me at 80. He's going to be a lot closer and give me a, a feasible shot, you know? This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. Oh man, so let me let me pull let me pick that apart. So you guys immediately when he's coming your way, and as soon as you could, you drop back, kind of like you would on a turkey. Uh, but- no opposite. Actually. Oh, you moved to so, Yes. So okay. Deer, here's, here's the thing that I found out about deer, man. They are so much better at this than we are. Yeah. So like, they, that deer from 500 yards away, in his mind, he dropped a pin where he thought those bucks were fighting. Like, he knew within 10 yards of where that sound came from, and he was going to come investigate it. And he wasn't uh, a timid buck by any means, but he just walked over, right? He's just like, I'm going to go see what this is about because I'm the boss and they shouldn't be doing that on my place. <laughs> and so, um, to circumvent that, uh, I, I decided to move up that way I wasn't in that spot that he was looking as hard. Got you, it. You understand kind of yep. what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Got so, it. Uh, so kind of the same thing that you would do, uh, elk or turkey hunting, 
uh, but since I was the hunter, I wanted to be in front of the caller, you gotcha. know, even though I was the caller, yep. you know, so yep. I kind of moved up to get a, a more killable approach on this deer because where he crested this little rise in front of us, if we'd have stayed where we were, we'd have been a hundred yards from him and who knows if we'd got a shot or not, but because we ran down the hill 80 yards, they ended up, um, he crests the hill and uh, kind of catches us, but has the sun is right in his eyes. He doesn't really know what we are. I draw my bow uh, as he's walking and he stops. He kind of catches my movement uh, and looks. And I don't know where I'm not this bold, right? I don't know where I got this jump to do this, but he's, well, okay, I've been sick, right? I'm kind of weak. And after about 10 seconds, I'm already shaking. I'm blaming it on that, but it's probably because it's the biggest buck I've ever seen, right? So <laughs> a lot of that, a lot of those factors are, are in there. And this guy is, you know, standing there, what I think is about 35 yards, and uh, he's looking at us, not panicked, not spooked or anything, but just alert. Like, what is that? Is that the thing I heard rattling? And I'm looking at this deer in the eyeball at full draw, and I just give him a, just like, that loud. It wasn't a super loud short week, but I've, I've seen deer do this in close quarters where they give them a little just like a, hey man, you, you know, you want some of this or whatever, you know, just kind of quiet. And uh, he kind of jumped a little bit when I first did it, but then it like eased his mind that we he thought we were deer because all he could see was the sunshine and maybe two dark blobs there. Uh, and he like looks left and right and then takes a couple more steps I grunt stopped him and let it rip, and uh, he shot the biggest deer in my life. Dude. <laughs> and watched him fall. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was insane. It was probably one of my coolest hunts ever. You know, I mean, the size of the buck means a lot, and I love shooting big, mature bucks. But just uh, the whole thing of being on the ground, calling him in, and just having the you know the sickness thing play into it was just it's just a wild. 16 hours man dude that's incredible and so, and you you guys wouldn't have been in that situation had you been stubborn to stick with the original plan that's right that's right man and uh that is not a lesson that came easy let me tell you you know throughout the years i actually am a pretty stubborn person if you don't believe me ask my wife uh <laughs> but um i think it's one of those things where like i can't ever overstate the value or understate, I'm kind of blanking on which one of those words you usually have, but let me rephrase that. I can't tell you enough how important it is to have a good hunting buddy to bounce stuff off of because it'll teach you a lot of humility. It'll, it'll get rid of some of your pride and it'll also help you not be stubborn because instead of like trying to do things your way, if you're both just trying to make sure that people kill as many deer as possible and you're both working towards the same goal, like you understand there's no reason to be stubborn. You just need to do whatever the best move is. And, uh, I think that, um, Tyler encouraged me to, to, that that was the right move to go down to the South and, uh, it worked. Yeah, man, that that's so huge to have somebody who, I mean, you, you guys may have both been carrying your bow at that point, but like, it's almost like just having a second person brings in a level of objectivity that your emotions don't get wrapped up in it and you can just make the right decision instead of just, you know, either freaking out and collapsing or just falling back into what you were, what you were already thinking, you know, 
yeah going to force the deer to do you know wait till the deer do what you think they should be doing rather than watching what they're actually doing yes exactly you don't want to go into blackout mode because they're way better at instinct than we are you know so you want to be you want to be in a full state of mind whenever you're hunting deer you know that's right so i i told uh i was was like man deer are just real good at living man like god made them to where they just are good at this that buck (laughs) had been out there for and I, I, you know, I didn't know this deer, of course, right? It's a new permission place, but he's old. He's at least six, if not older, just judging by his body. And he ain't just, like, just making assumptions about things. So you have to be on the top of your game to even have a chance. And I'm not saying I'm at the top of my game or anything, but I was blessed with the opportunity and did my best to make the most of it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, that's that's kind of an awesome success story about, you know, making a pivot on that. Tell me about mm-hmm. maybe what are some of the mistakes that you've made when when hunting and you know I don't I don't even want to call it the lockdown because we kind of talked about our thoughts on that right so but, yeah. but when you're yeah. in that stage where you're just not seeing maybe a lot of cruising action and, and your your suspicion is that hey I'm at the top of that bell curve like what are some mistakes either that you've made or you've seen others make that you know keep them from getting on deer when when otherwise they might be able to make a couple of moves and you know get on something. Yeah, so outside of the sticking with something too long, I think that, um, like, uh, Tyler, he'd be a better guy for this question, but I'll tell you what he would answer because we've been talking about it a lot. He played defensive back in college, and, um, like, one of the defensive back drills that they do is, like, the the QB rush drill where you either jump or, or stay on your feet with your hands up, you know? Yep. And uh, he said his coach used to tell him, just don't be wrong. You know, you got to know when to jump and you got to know when to stay on your feet and don't be wrong. Mm. So, uh, one of the things that you can really get into when you're making impulsive moves quickly, and I've done this so many times, man, is make the wrong move. Like, you're like, oh, this is a good idea. I'm going to go do that. And then you realize, oh, shoot. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've done, this is so dumb, but I've done it. Uh, that doesn't set up at all for the wind direction I have. And you're already at the spot halfway walking in, and you're like, oh, man, it's a south wind. I'm about to blow my wind every deer on this property, you know? So, like, I think that uh, maybe uh, getting a grasp of how fast of a processor you are, it's okay to be a fast processor, it's okay to be a slow processor, but you got to process to the best of your ability. And so, like, if you're a guy who likes to methodically think about things, um, then you might need to make sure that you are factoring all the variables in before you do make one of these quick decisions. You know, maybe yep. your quick decision isn't something you – let's put it this way. If you are um, – here's, here's where I end up making quick decisions that, that end up buying the bus is public land. You're about to go into a property. It's a uh, 400-acre piece, but there's a guy at the parking lot, and there's really only one – good spot that's not going to be you know a bad wind spot without you messing somebody up so you opt out and bounce right which is you know usually the right thing to do uh, every property is different so you know i'll let people make their own call on that but i always try to opt for the hey you got it you know go kill them man you know so yep. in that sense you are like back against the wall trying to find a spot right and uh Oftentimes, I have messed up properties by trying to bounce to them without factoring all the things in. So instead of bumping a deer that you could shoot tomorrow, maybe just 
live to hunt another day, truck scout that evening and learn something. So, you know, you don't, like you just said, like you just went on a marathon hunt, right? Like in nine days. Yep. yep. Uh, every hunt is valuable, but there's no hunt more valuable than the one that you really messed something up on, right? Like you would mm-hmm. like to have that back if you do that. So, uh, if you have to just be like, you know what, I'm going to ride around, get the binos out and observe some deer, maybe they're on private or people don't have permission on or whatever, but I can at least learn something about patterns, learn what they're doing, maybe a new source they're hitting. That's information that can help you the next day or the next few days to kill deer and you don't go in and mess something up. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. In fact, you, I actually did that the other day. I, I pulled out of... Um, Look at you, man. The, Let it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did that the other day. I pulled out of a property. Um, th- there was a guy in the spot that was basically the only good spot for, for this Easter eastern wind that was blowing that day. Went to another place, and this was a little private farm I'd gotten permission on. Uh, blew that place up, but it was kind of one of those things of, like, nobody else hunts there, so I can walk in, blow it up, and then be done. But then I, I, I did. I just pulled out. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try to force the next move. I'm not going to try to get in somewhere that's too risky. I'm going to go truck scout for the night. And I learned so much in that evening um, yep. You know about how the deer were moving. Now, I didn't capitalize on what I learned that evening as far as on the next hunt because I was able to get back into where I wanted to be. But you better believe that's all information in my back pocket for next year, you know, and the one yeah, after absolutely. that, you know. And you know what else, dude? I love driving around looking at deer. Greg, we're talking, Greg and I were talking about this the other day. Like, there ain't, outside of, like, shooting one, there ain't nothing more fun than just driving around and seeing deer, man. It, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> You're in the comfort of the truck. You got a heater. You got a little coffee. You know, like, it's yeah. cool. So, like, just enjoy that break, you know? Uh, especially, you know, we were just talking about, like, the uh, the long-haul type hunt. You know, like, it might be nice might be a blessing to have an evening where you get to sit down in the truck and take it easy and be refreshed for the next day. Oh, yeah, man, that that was me 100%. I was like, I'm so tired of sitting in the cold, you know, swinging from a tree in my saddle, just freezing all day long. Yeah. And so to go drive around and, and have the heat going and have a drink and just like, all right, let's just watch some deer. And I got to film two bucks bristle up at each other in an ag field. It looked like they were going to fight. I was like, man, that's just that's just cool. You know, just gets me fired up. Yeah. Uh, gets me ready to go for the next day. So, well, KC, man, I know you're on the road. You know, uh, I don't want to keep you guys for too long, but uh, tell folks where they can find you. I mean, you guys are everywhere now, man. You, you're like, I'm talking to a legitimate celebrity at this point no, in the no, hunting world. No, no we got to do it, man. You, we got to, we got to call it what it is because you guys are everywhere. Uh, where can folks find you? And uh, maybe what can we be looking forward to over the next couple of weeks coming out from, uh, from your content. Yeah, sure, man. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And it's always good talking to you, man. We have a lot of fun doing this. And uh, you do a great job on this podcast, dude. So thanks for the, thanks for the chance to come on and, and chat about deer, dude. It's, it's fun. It's what we love to do. So um, we have our YouTube channel, which is uh, The Element on YouTube. We put a lot of hunting content on there, a little bit of fishing stuff and other things like that. Uh, you know, it's uh, – it's, um, Black Hill Hunting DIY style, a lot of public land. We also got some hog hunting stuff on there as well. Uh, we have what used to be a weekly podcast, but uh, this time of year it gets pretty tough. Uh, but it's called the Element Podcast where we uh, we chronicle our adventures and then also try to give as much anecdotal uh, experience as we can because uh, the last thing I want to do is be considered an expert, but I do want to have as many experiences 
hunting as I can because that's how you end up making good food and, and killing deer. So I, I like to say I'm on the uh, I'm on the hunt for experience. That sounds kind of cheesy. I don't say that. Never mind. Uh, but I, I, uh, I'm trying to get as much experience as I can. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, on social, you know, uh, my uh, personal is uh, cast and catch, cast with a K, like KC, uh, which is real cheesy, but I made it when I was in college. So, I dig it, know, man. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then the element, you can find us on all platforms, man. So I appreciate that, dude. Sweet, buddy. Well, thanks, man. Good luck to you all over the next couple of weeks. And uh, looking forward to when we get to talk again. Yeah, back at you, man. Really appreciate talking to you. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.